All right. Well, good morning, everyone, again. Good to see you all this morning. How many glad to be alive? All right. That was decent. <laughs> uh, but we're going to jump into the Word this morning. I'm just so thankful that we have the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us. Are you thankful for that? And you're never stuck. No matter where you may be right now in life, no matter where you, what circumstances you may be facing, you are not stuck. Can you just shout that out? I'm not stuck. And if you feel like you're stuck, you're going to get unstuck today. I mean, what the devil tries to use, gorilla glue. God's got some Holy Ghost, you know, to go combat that gorilla glue and get you out of the situation you may be facing. But here's the good news about it. It's not just get you out of the situation, but learn new patterns of living so that you can experience the goodness and the grace of God day to day. That's the whole premise of what Christianity is. John laid it out so great as he was sharing this morning. I mean, aren't you thankful we don't just have weekend warriors in the house? What I mean by that is people that like they do Sunday and that's kind of about it. Man, we got a house of weekday, Monday through Saturday, Sunday, warriors in this house. And I'm so grateful. I know you, you pray, you stand, you believe God and uh, things change because we got a body that's awake and alert to what God is doing in these last days. So let's get into the word this morning. If you got your Bibles with you, go with me. Second Corinthians chapter five, we'll go look at verse 16. But again, what we're going to start off with is you and I are getting established or again, making sure that our foundation is secure. That's what we're taking time to do because, again, in order to launch properly, in order to do anything for the Lord, you need a secure foundation. And so I believe what we have been doing, what the Lord has been setting for us is obviously this re-getting, re, uh, what's that word again? Resensitized, that's the word. Getting resensitized, that's a big part of this. But also for us to launch out in strength, we have to know, first of all, who he is, right? Because strength is a result of knowing who God is. And then secondly, strength is a result of knowing who I am in him. Now, not knowing who I am in myself, this isn't about me. This isn't about in how good I am, what I can do in my own. Because the Bible clearly lays out, in myself, I can do nothing. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? In yourself, you got nothing, you is nothing. Sometimes you hear people say, I'm just going to go to Hawaii and I'm going to go look for myself. You will be solely disappointed other than the 10 you get. But this is, that's not where you find yourself. You find yourself in him. And in the culture and the generation we are in today, you see, what does the enemy attack? Identity. There is identity crisis all over the map. But for you and I, in the church, there is no identity crisis. At least there should not be. And when you know who you are, that's when you stand strong and you tell the devil what's up. Amen? So in 2 Corinthians 5... Verse 16, the Apostle Paul says these words. He says, from now, from now on we regard no one from a human point of view according to worldly standards and values. Though we have known Christ from a human point of view, now we no longer know him in that way. In the Passion Bible it says that we refuse to evaluate people merely by outward appearances. Now why is that so important? Is because everybody is on a journey. Right? And for you and I, we can't evaluate our own selves based on the external as well. Why? Because again, you're on this journey. So how are we supposed to evaluate or look at ourselves? Well, that's why he gave us 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. He says, if anyone is in Christ, is anybody in Christ? How do you get in Christ? 
You believe, you acknowledge, you believe it in your heart, you acknowledge it with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You believe the sacrifice, and the Bible says you are in Christ. So you've, now we'll continue reading at 2 Corinthians 5.17, y'all, if you want to follow me. It says, if anyone is in Christ that is grafted in and joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit, Old things, the previous moral and the spiritual condition has passed away. Behold. What does behold mean? Look or see something. Look. The fresh new, if the fresh and new things have come because a spiritual awakening brings new life. So Jesus, again, didn't come just to help the world out just a little bit. He came, a man in Christ is not again man altered, but man remade. Jesus became a brand new prototype for what God had in mind all along for humanity. So you can't look at fallen man and all the sin of the world and go, that was God's design for mankind. No, where you and I need to look for what God had in his mind when he created the human race is to look directly at Jesus. When you see Jesus, not only you go, whoa, he says, now look, that's who you are supposed to be. Then you turn around and you say, whoa, backwards, whoa. Maybe that's not how you spell whoa backwards, wow. And if you stayed upside down, you say, mom. All right, no, good, no. Now, what's so beautiful about Christianity, it's not window shopping. Do you know what I mean by window shopping? Is sometimes you're kind of walking around. I don't really shop. Uh, you go to, unless you're online or something like that. But really, you, you go to sport check once in a while and you see those massive ripped guys in the Under Armour section. They use my body to put that. <laughs> totally kidding. I wish. That's the goal. But Christianity is not like, oh, man, I would love to look like that one day. That would be, that would be amazing. What Christianity is, it's actually reality. Jesus made it reality for you and I. So you're not window shopping when you spend time in the Word and go, oh, I if only that could be for me, if only that was for me. Listen, all the promises of God in Him are yes and amen to the glory of God. So Jesus has already said yes. The Father has already said yes. Now what you and I have to do is we have to align our thinking to line up with this word so we're not going, well, if he wants it to happen, it'll happen. No, we need to align and say, he says yes, I say yes. And that's, what you, that's simply what confession actually means. It means to say the same things as God. So for you and I, as we're going to look into this mirror, again, to only one way that you can get to know who this new man is on the inside. You can't look on the outside. You can't go by what people say. There's only one mirror that gives you a perfect reflection of who you are now, and that is the Word of God. So you have to go to the Word of God. You have to go into the mirror and go, yes, 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 yes. Anybody interested in a yes fest this morning? Yes, yes, yes. Sometimes when I get dressed, my wife goes and she looks at me and she goes, yes. I go, thanks, girl. Or you're welcome. But you and I, it's crucial, a yes fest. That's why you have to spend time in this mirror and actually let the reflection of the word of God reveal who you are. And you're in my job is not to try to make it happen. You're in my job is to simply believe and give our yes to what the mirror says. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Just be God's yes man. Before he even says anything, my answer is yes. 
That will help you when you're spending time in your word, is that you open your Bible up before you go, well, I don't really know, just say yes. That'll help you a whole lot. Uh-huh. Okay, glad we're on the same page. Now look with me real quickly, James chapter 1 again. Verse 21, it says, This is why that we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct, because instead with a sensitive spirit. Now, sensitive spirit, what we kind of talk about is resensitizing ourselves again. With a sensitive spirit, we're quick to absorb God's word. We are quick to believe what he says. Rather than hearing, you know, all these news broadcasts and things out in the world, why not go to the source of our the source of truth, the source of strength, and go, I'm quick to absorb that. Yes, 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 yes. I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. Right? Continuing on. It says, which has been implanted within our nature for the word of life has the power to continually deliver us. Don't just listen to the word of truth, click, and not respond to it, because that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message that you hear, you become like a person who looks in the face of the mirror of the word. You discover the reflection of your face in the beginning, God's intent for you from the beginning. You perceive or you see. Remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17? See or behold, all things have become new, right? Right? So he's saying you perceive or you see how God sees you in the mirror of his word, but then you go out and you forgot your divine origin. So how do you go by living? You go by living based on how you feel. You go by living based on what you see. You go on based on what's going on in the natural circumstances. Now those things start chirping. Those things start talking, trying to give you a reflection of who they think you are. There's only one place, child of God, that you and I are supposed to allow and look with a steady gaze is his word. You see this verse 25, but those who set their gaze, say with me, set their gaze. What does that mean? I set what I'm looking at. So I'm in charge of actually what I'm looking at. You and I choose that. What are you spending your time looking at? What are you looking at regularly? Because I'm in charge of what I'm looking at. It's my job. So he says, those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty and are fascinated by it, they respond to the truth that they hear. What's the result? They get strength from it. Do you see that? And we're talking about getting strong in ourselves, strong in the Lord and the power of his mouth, strong to face the challenges that come this day, strong to stand on what we believe, regardless of what culture is trying to throw down our throats. I refuse to allow the culture to dictate how I believe, how I'm supposed to view myself, how I'm supposed to view others. I have to go things by the word of God. Come on now, y'all. So this is what we're doing. They are strengthened by it. And what's the result? They experience God's blessings in all that they do. So what we see here, the Bible is all about seeing. This isn't a religious book where you got a bunch of weird guys that dress up in dresses saying, this is what thou shalt not, thou shalt do this. Um, weird. They make God so weird and so distant. That's just what they are. Weird. Are we okay with that? Just, okay. So instead, 
What we have here is we have the word becoming flesh for you and I. So you actually see this in 1 John chapter 1. John actually starts saying, we are talking to you what we have seen and we've heard. I think through the first five verses, you actually see John saying, we touched him. We felt him. We actually saw this life coming from the Father, and he became visible for us to see. And he's like, I'm telling you all these things so that your joy may be full. So I'm telling you this, church, there is something about you and I seeing what the word has to say about Jesus, seeing what the word has to say about you because you're in him. There's some excitement that comes along with that. So see, 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 see. This is all about seeing. This is not here to get you more head knowledge, to give you more scriptures. It's for you and I to actually see what God is wanting to show you and I in these last days. Are we okay with that? Look here in Acts chapter 14 again, just as an example. Acts 14 verses 8 through 10. The apostle Paul, he says, while they were listening, talking about Paul and Barnabas, came upon a man who was crippled with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening to Paul preach. Now look what happened. Looking straight at him, Paul realized, the New Living Bible says, the King James Bible says, Paul perceived. What does it mean to perceive? To see. Paul perceived something. Paul realized something. What did he realize in this case with this individual? That this man who had never walked a day in his life, Paul realized that he, this man, had faith to be healed. And so what happened? Paul had to stop his message. He called to him in a loud voice, stand up! Well, that seems a little abrupt. Yeah, but he saw something. Stand up, and the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Now, you and I, we cannot participate in what we don't see. So that's why God, he didn't just give us a Bible for you and I to read. He gave us the Holy Spirit to illuminate this word so we can see it clearly. God didn't come just to give you a bunch of rules that you have to follow. And better, I better do this. I better do this. Like with John again in his testimony. If I do this, then God will. If I don't, ah, rats. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is all about you and I seeing something. So don't be satisfied with where you're at. If you're seeing this much, I fully believe God. God, open this up so I can see more clearly today. A lot of times we're looking, God, can you just fix my problem? God, just get this, get me out of the situation. God, just take care of this. God, would you just help me in this? God, can you just fix that? God, can you just fix my wife? God, can you fix my kids? God, can you do something about my money? God, can you do something about this body? God, God, can you, can you, can you? And he's saying, I already did. You need to see what I did. So you start claiming what I did for you. It's a totally different perspective. So how do we now perceive in the kingdom? You don't get to do this on your own. That'd be great. There's no osmosis where you just put it under your pillow and go, help me see, help me see, help me see. First Corinthians chapter two, look here for a moment. So the scriptures say, now this is again Paul talking and he's going back in reference to the Old Testament. He says, the scriptures say, there are things that were never discovered. There are things that never even been heard of before. These, there are things that are beyond our ability to imagine. The King James Bible says, there are eyes cannot see it, ears have not heard it, neither has entered or come into the heart of man all the things, the many things that God has in store for those who love him. So God's got stuff. He's got things to say. He's got things to show you. He's got things to give you. He said, there's all these things, but it's never come into or entered into the heart of man all those things that God has prepared for those who love him. 
Now, aren't you glad that we live in the New Testament? Because that's, you could read that. I think it's in the book of Isaiah that Paul got that from. And it just stopped there in the book of Isaiah. There are so many amazing things, but you can't understand it. It's not even come to your eyes. So in the Old Testament, they were just natural, carnal, spiritually dead men and women. And there's nothing else that they could perceive. That's why they had to, hey, God, if you could just, Gideon, God, if you could just make this fleece wet, then I'll know that you're talking to me. That is not how we operate in the New Testament. Did you know that? Right? Oh, God, if you would just allow seven red cars to pass by my house, then I know it's your will for me to marry that person. Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. So instead, verse, Paul goes on to say, now here's the good news, y'all, verse 10. But... Can everybody say that with me? But. I would never say that to my family because if I say, kids, say this word after me, but, they will go on for a rampage for the next 30 minutes. But, but, but. But God now unveils. What does unveil mean? He's removed the veil. These profound realities to us, how? By his spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us. Let's personalize it. He has revealed to me his, his. Whose? His. His inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. So that means at some point down in, if you could stand in eternity past, when God was planning all of this out, God said, you're in my name sometime in eternity past. And in that, he started declaring some things about you, who you are, what he's called you to do, who he's called you to marry, the children you have, what job you have, what he wants you to do for the kingdom. God had all this planned out from the very beginning, but it didn't come by you and I understanding or just grasping it in our eyes, figuring it out with our ears, or looking out here at some kind of thing going, oh, I wonder what God wants me to do. He's saying it's all been revealed to you and I by his spirit. Okay? So he goes on to say, after all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? Correct? So I can't look at you and go, hmm, I wonder, I'm going to try to think of what they're thinking of right now. I'm going to just mm, get in there. I can't. God won't allow that for, to jump in there and do that. No human can just do that. Right? So he goes on to say, so it is with God. His thoughts and his secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, right? Okay, verse 12. It gets gooder, y'all. This, this is good. This is shouting territory. For we, say me, for me did not, horrible English, I did not receive the spirit of this world system, but I have received the spirit of God. Why? So that I might come to understand and experience all. Come on, y'all. All is a great Bible word. All that grace has lavished upon us. Whoo. So for you and I, I'm in the know. I'm in the know. I'm in the know. I'm in the know. Now look at this. Verse 14 kind of gives a little bit more of a 
understanding to this. He says, but someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit. Why? Because it doesn't make any, it makes no sense. All the good things that God has done for us. He can't understand the revelations of the spirit because all of these things that God has, they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. That means you and I resensitizing ourselves again, you and I spending time with the Lord, he starts to reveal these things. Spending time in his word starts to reveal these things. Praying in other tongues, he starts to reveal these things. Right? That's why it's so beautiful. These verses are amazing. So for you and I, you and I have to come to this place where we go, Lord, I fully expect and I believe as I get into the written word of God, as I spend time praying in the Holy Spirit, Lord, I'm expecting to see and know and experience all that grace has lavished upon me. Help me see this, Lord. So that ought to be, that's why Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, Lord, we pray for the eyes of their hearts to be flooded with light. Help them see it. Because sometimes we just try to go so quickly, Lord, if you could just do something, God is, his prayer is, I need you to see something. You gotta see it, you gotta see it. So all of this is about seeing, okay? This Christian life, you're not supposed to just walk, there's no such thing as blind faith. You're supposed to see it. You're supposed to see what God has provided for you and I. Okay, thank you for your excitement. Now, 1 John chapter five, what we're doing is we're going to the mirror again of God's word, so we gotta see something. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11, you see this. It is, uh, that's not it. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. It says, and this is what God has testified. He has, say with me, he has. So that's a past tense reference, right? He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Verse 13, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know. You got to know something. What do you know? I know that I have eternal life. So what is John saying? He's saying right now here, child of God. He's writing to believers. He's writing to the church. And he is saying, I need you to know, church. Like, don't you think this apostle John, like I, I, he's wrote this as an old man. He's writing this to, his, to the church. And he's saying, you got to know this. Well, what do I need to know? That you have eternal life. Oh yeah, I know one day I'll have it. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying to you. I'm saying to you that you right now in your current possession own eternal life. You have it right now. That's what John is trying to get across to you and I, his church, that this is who we are. We have eternal life. Now, again, the question that we have got to ask ourselves is, do you know that you have it? And if you know that you have it, great. Are you operating in it? Are you seeing it work and manifest in your life? That's the next iteration of this. So again, Jesus paid a tremendous price to get eternal life for us. Again, you read the Gospels and you see Jesus operating from a place of eternal life. That's why he slapped a few demons around, right? Cast out sickness, horrible at funerals. Jesus just raised people from the dead. So you see this man operating in eternal life. 
right? Okay. And so what Jesus had to do, there's something that he couldn't give us until and unless he did his death, burial, and resurrection from the penalty of sins that he had to pay for. Jesus had to go to hell to actually strip the CEO of darkness, take all of the authority away from him, take the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He comes now back alive and he proclaims to you and I, I have all authority. I got it back from the one who stole it from Adam way back yonder in the garden. I took it back and now I'm deploying you. But first, before I deploy blow you, oh, receive the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They became born again. Right? And so what happened? I bet the devil just ticked off at this point. Now, he had a problem with Jesus on this earth for three and a half years. Untouchable, right? Untouchable. Now, he just breathed on 11 guys. And he said, receive this life. Whoo! They got this life. Then you go to the day of Pentecost. After the Holy Spirit came and they started praying in tongues and it riled up a whole lot of people around them. 3,000 people Peter preached to and he said, repent, turn from your wicked ways, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and this life will be imparted to you. First church service. Now Satan went one from one to 11 to 120. Now we're at 3,000 of the life of God. Could you imagine the kingdom of darkness? Shouldn't have killed him. Why did we do that? Stupid, stupid, stupid. Freaking out. Why? Because this life has now been given to, the, to, to children, to God's children once again. Come on, y'all. And this life, you have this life. It's residing on the inside of you. So it's not just one thing you get when you go to heaven. No, it's so good. You got it now. And because it's got so much quality in it, it'll just take you up to heaven and you'll live forever with God. That's how powerful this life is. You got it living on the inside of you. So now look at this. In, uh, go to John chapter 5, guys, with me. We're not going to read that for time's sake because <clears throat> that's the wrong verse anyway up there. John 5, verse 24, Jesus says this. It's urgent that you listen carefully to this. Anyone here who believes what I am saying right now and aligns himself with the Father who has, in fact, put me in charge, he has at this very moment... He's got it right now. This real and lasting life and is no longer condemned to be an outsider, but this person has taken a giant step from the world of the dead to the world of the living. What does that mean? What was the world of dead? You can read that for yourself, Ephesians chapter 2. What it talked about, Ephesians 2 just really lays out, you and I, what we were because of our nature. We were sinful by nature. We obeyed the devil, the commander of the air, the Bible says, and all the impulses that we had, we just went out and did it, not realizing it, that was all dead works. Correct? He says, but God, he did something else. He gave you this new life. So right now, you stepped out of this old dead life. You jumped into a brand new life. Now you are in the process of learning how to live alive. The world who is dead doesn't understand how to live. Correct? They're all spiritually dead. Correct? If you don't have the sun, you don't have life. So I can't go to the education system that's governed by the world and allow it to tell me how to live life. They don't know. They'll try to give you some pointers of how the financial realm works. 
Don't work that way. Give and it will be given unto you. Oh, but that's a, I don't know if I really trust that. That's how you get out of this dead realm into this living realm. This is how it operates and how it works. You don't have to be a tither to get saved. But if you want to follow Jesus, you definitely will have to be. Okay, moving right along then. Let's continuing on. So now, do you know what eternal life is? Okay, what is it? Oh. Eternal life is, the Greek word is zoe, right? Meaning, life, this is W.E. Vine's dictionary of zoe life. It is life in an absolute sense. It's life as God himself has it. It is life that the Father is operating in right now. Woo! And he's saying this Zoe life is what Jesus manifested here on this earth. Again, you look at it from the devil's perspective for a moment. He hadn't seen this life for thousands of years, right? Since Adam. Adam was the first man God created. Jesus calls or sorry, God calls Jesus the second Adam, meaning the last Adam, that Jesus is now the new prototype for mankind. Okay? So he hasn't, the devil hasn't seen this life operated in for 4,000 plus years. And all of a sudden, this guy shows up, Jesus, born of a woman, not of our human race, born of a virgin, came from the Father, and now he's operating on this earth, yes, fully man, but completely has the life of God inside of him. And every time that he'd show up someplace, demons would take notice. They would shriek and they would shrivel and they would scream at him going, why have you come for this, you know, son of God to torment us before the time? And he would just say, get into the pigs, get out. And they would jump like that. Oh, that's just Jesus. He's just amazing. He was operating as a man who was operating in eternal life. This is what he possessed. He walked in this. The devil freaked out because this life, everywhere he went, he would manifest this life. It would come out in healing. It would come out in life. It would come out in words. It would come out in everything that Jesus did. People were amazed by what he said. They were amazed by what he did. What is this man? Who is this man? It is a man who has and possesses currently eternal life. And he came to get that back for you and I. So we can stop going, oh, how could we just get this? No, the same works that I do, you do also. How? Because I have this eternal life that he, had, he had operated in. Are we okay? Okay. So if again, if we had a spiritual x-ray machine, anytime somebody said, Jesus is Lord, I believe in him with all my heart. You, if you got a spiritual x-ray, you could see the life of God now on the inside of them. That x-ray would just be blowing up. Life, life, life. One third of you is heaven ready today. Woo! All right. Pause for effect. <clears throat> now, what does this life do? First John, or sorry, John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 says, Everything was created through him. Who's him? The Word, right? And nothing, not one thing, came into being without him. Okay, what came into existence was life. Come on, shout it out, life. What came into existence? Life. Life from another planet. And this life 
was light to live by. So in that light is actually the other word, the Greek really brings out this word development. This Jesus, his life was the light of men. It's the development of man. (laughs) And this life light blazed out of the darkness and the darkness could not put it out. He tried to shut it up. He tried to kill him right when he was born, all the way finally to Jesus. He couldn't even kill him. Jesus had to actually lay down his life. You get untouchable. Sometimes some of you think the devil is so powerful. Are you kidding me? Like the guy walks around. He needs a handicapped parking spot everywhere he goes. He's been paralyzed since Jesus pulverized him. And yet we kind of treat him like he's some bad big devil who's got these massive guns, can able to do anything he wants. If he had his will in my life, I'd be dead. Same with you. If he had his way with you, he would finally be out of the way. But you're still here. So clearly that shows you and I that he actually talks a lot, but he doesn't have a whole lot. So we got to continue to put him in his place. How do we do this? I know I have the life of God. It's on the inside of me. And what does this life do? What has God given it to me for? This eternal life causes you and I to overcome Satan and this world. Look at this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. It says, every child of God. Who's an every in this room? That's me. Every child of God defeats this evil world. Woo! Can we read that first sentence together? Every child of God defeats this evil world. Oh! So that's who is that talking to? That's talking about me. That's talking about you. Every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Okay, so I'm not going to be talking about faith right at this moment, but I want to lay the foundation that first and foremost, you have eternal life. And what has this eternal life done? It qualifies you to be an overcomer in every area of this life. Well, how do I know that? Because it runs in the family. My dad is absolutely strong and victorious. My big brother Jesus is victorious in everything he does. Then he gave me his spirit, who's never lost a battle. Verse 5, and he says, just in case you miss it, just in case some you know, theologian misquotes this and kind of gives you a bunch of bunk that doesn't line up with it, he says, and who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Why? Because you have this eternal life. So now, I have the life of God in me. I have become a master over Satan. Say it. I am a master over Satan. You are not a victim to darkness. You are the master of darkness. Some of you got to get a little bit more. You aren't a Canadian. You are a child of God. Well, I just kind of feel bad. No, I don't feel bad for that idiot. I'm going to laugh. When he gets thrown in the lake of fire, ha, told you so. Told you so. We are way too nice with that idiot. We just kind of pet our problems and just go, I hope they just go away. You are the master of them. You are not on the defense. Forward, offense only. So again, who can win this battle against the world? Only those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? So the Bible says you win this battle against this world system. Whatever comes your way, you are the master. So no matter what the devil tries to throw at you, you say, 
I'm the master here. I'll tell you how it's going to end up. And you let them know. All right, moving right along. Now, how do I activate this life? Now, here's the part that I think sometimes we miss. Yes, I'm a victorious one. Yes, I'm the champion. But that doesn't mean that there's no fight included. Okay? We kind of just say, well, I'm a master of a champion. And all of a sudden, the devil throws something at you. go, I thought I was a winner. I said it at church that I was a master and I could do all things through Christ. This church is just a bunch of lies. No, they're not a bunch of lies. It's all true. But it doesn't mean there's not a fight included. The devil's not going to just go, oh, you got the life of God? Oh, I'll leave you alone. No, he's going to test to see if you actually believe you have it and if you're going to actually activate it in your life. So look at this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. The child of God, you have to fight. You have to fight. Anybody got siblings in here? If you want something... Whether it's that last dinner roll, you're going to have to fight a little bit for it. Correct? <laughs> but who is it? It's the, the, the fighters, they last longer. Fighters stay in the game longer. Come on, we have to have some grit in the church again. Not just this roll over, devil, do whatever you want to do. No, no, no. I am, this is who I am. Now, the Bible tells us this. He says, fight. Come on, say it with me. Fight. Fight. Come on, say it with some grit. Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. So this is the only fight that you see that we as believers are called to. It's a fight of faith. Okay, I'll get into that in a sec. But then he says, lay hold on. Can we just say it like this? Lay hold on. The quality of life that God has given me. The quality of life. This Zoe life. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were called. I'm called to lay hold and live out this eternal life while on this earth. Okay? And he says, and you have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So what's he talking about here? He's saying clearly right here, first and foremost, there is a fight included in order to lay hold of eternal life that you grabbed hold when you confessed the right things. So there's a lot of things involved here. The words of my mouth are included. It shows me how to fight. What am I, what am I fighting? How am I fighting in this? Let's, you know, this, there is a gentleman, E.W. Kenyon. I really enjoy this gentleman, E.W. Kenyon. And he wrote a book. And in this, he wrote this statement. He said, never fight the devil in the arena of sight, feelings, and circumstances, you have to always fight him in the arena of faith. So in other words, the devil will always try to pull you out of the arena of what the word says, and he'll start pulling you out and start putting you in this arena of going, how do you feel? Look at these circumstances. Oh, did you hear what they said to you? Did you hear what your coworkers are saying? He is constantly trying to lure you away because he can't keep, he can't win in the arena of the word. He will pull you out of that arena and try to get you to fight in this arena where he goes, how does that make you feel? What is your body, what's your body doing right now? Oh my goodness. And the things that I'm just going to throw these thoughts. What's happening to these thoughts that are coming your way? These are rough, aren't they? Anybody have those this week? Pulling you away. Pulling you away. 
But instead, you and I have to fight in the arena of faith, which is to simply go, this is who I am. This is what I have. That's the arena of faith, is simply going back and saying, this is what the mirror revealed to me. I'm not trying to make things happen. I'm not trying to get God to heal me. Why? Because Jesus already got it for me. So I bring him back to this arena of faith, and I start boldly proclaiming, this is what the word says. This is who I am. This is what I can have. And I stand and I fight in this place. Does that make sense? So a thought may come or a feeling may come. Maybe somebody didn't say hi to you properly today. <gasps> the devil, trust me, the devil will each, we'll go after everything he possibly can. They didn't say hi properly. <gasps> and so what he's trying to do, pull you away, lead you away from the family and start whispering things, dark, weird things in your mind going, you know what? You just don't really belong here. Those are words on a sign, but they actually don't. Your coffee was a little bit too lukewarmish. It was a sign. <laughs> Listen, I've pastored enough to hear some of this stuff. It's weird, man. And what all it is, it's people just using everything he can to pull you away and to isolate you, right? Like if you watch some of those, you know, African safaris and all of a sudden, like depends on what week it is. If it's the zebra's week, you're going for the zebra. If it's the lion, you're going for the lion. Right? And on the lion week, what happens? They go after the prey, but we, he eventually tries to get one off that will go away from the pack. And so he's all by himself, and the lion is just like, sweet. The devil's the same way. He'll do everything he can to twist, to say something, to pull you away from the pack so that you're isolated. That's when he just, he is a bully. He talks, talks, chirps, chirps, talks, chirps, makes fun of you, says something about you, and then will stick it to you a little bit harder before you are down in fetal position going, why God, why God, why God? It's not God. God's saying, you need to see who I say that you are. You need to see what I've done on your behalf. Enough is enough. Get up. Honestly, if you if just play this for a minute. If you see somebody here in fetal position, a lot of times what does the church do? We'll just gather over there and we'll just join fetal position with them. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm not talking about not being empathetic. I'm all for that. But listen, when I had, I had my own struggles a couple of years ago. My soul was accused and tormented like I had never experienced in my life. I had a very gracious woman who helped me get through it, but it wasn't just, oh man, I can't believe this is just happening all the time. She would stand up and say, get up, let's go. Uh, yeah, okay. You need somebody like that in your life to say, stop that. Stop that. Get back in your mirror. What did he say to you? And that's what the apostle Paul was to the Corinthians. Read chapter six. Paul said over and over to them, six times in that verse, don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know you're a child of God? Don't you know that one day you'll judge angels? Don't you know? Don't you know? And meanwhile, the church is just, whatever the, what's going on in this earth? And we're just, oh God, help me. I just can't figure it out. And we're just laying here, help us, God. And he's going, don't you know something? Get up, boy. Don't you know who you are in Christ Jesus? What would Jesus do if he saw me in fetal position over there? Yes, there'd be empathy. He'd throw his cloak over me and say, son, I'm with you. Now get up. Get up. Sure, you got your feelings. Sure, I get that. Go talk to him about it. Let's get that cleared up. But after that, move forward. 
Why? Because we are in a last day's army. We have a job to finish. We got a devil to harass. We got a kingdom to preach. We got a message of grace to absolutely bulldoze the city with. We've got to get going. Come on. And who's going to do that? It's the whole body working together. Amen. My last verse and I'm done here. John 6 verse 63. In the message Bible, uh, there, it says this. Now talking again, how you fight. It is the spirit who gives. Again, this life is zoe, eternal life. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh conveys no benefit. Uh, It is of no, no account. This is the Amplified. Message Bible says it like this. The spirit can make life sheer muscle and willpower. Don't make anything happen. So every word Jesus said, I've spoken to you, is a spirit word. Therefore, it is life making. So this word, whenever the devil pokes his ugly head up, trying to pull you out, you have to use the word of God, which is the Zoe life of God, and you got to declare back because your words are spiritual containers. So you start declaring, the devil says this to you, you go, no, 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 I am the righteousness of God, I'm in Christ Jesus. Boom! What does it do? It kind of, oh, shoot, that, he, he knows something. Oh, you're sick. Ha ha! By the stripes of Jesus, I've been made healed. Boom! Okay, he's starting to figure this out. He'll throw everything he can at you, but you continue to answer with the word. And the result is, you get the word's results. Amen? Let's all stand up together. I'm finito. But church, I think it's time we start saying some things. If you think of it from heaven's perspective, what sound is coming from the church? Hold on, think about it. What sound is coming out of you and I? It should be life. Life, 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 life. Anybody else, you, you think about this again. You're not just this, just a human being on this earth looking for something to happen. No, you are a spirit being temporarily sent here for this natural existence. So I don't know about you, but I think we ought to shout some things. It shouldn't take the team and carry four songs to get us into it. You should come ready to go. But as long as you keep seeing yourself as just some kind of peon in this earth, you'll just keep showing up like a peon in the earth. But when you start going, you know what? I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a carrier of eternal life. So when I come into this church today, when I walk into this building, if people need help or people need healing, guess what? I'm going to lay my hands on them and I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus, the life of God is on the inside of me. Boom, what do you need? Healing flows through me. That's who we are. So can we maybe just take a moment just to declare a few things? Can we do that? Why? Because the life of God is flowing through us. So let's just again take a moment. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak life. Come on, I speak life over my church, over my family, over my home, over my business, over my kids. Life, strength, physical body, be strong. Mind, be strong. 
you know in whom you have believed. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Devil, I know who I am. I'm in Christ. So your trickery, I see it, I know it, and Holy Spirit, thank you for teaching me, showing me, and activating eternal life on the inside of me. In Jesus' name. So now we speak it. Every time something comes my way, don't sit in fetal position. Don't go, oh. No, you have to talk back to what comes your way. Finances, even during offering, I kind of heard that in the spirit. Oh, man, things are tight right now. Oh, that's him going pressure, pressure, pressure. So do I go? I reverse the pressure and I put the pressure where it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be on you. Financial care is not on you. Where's the financial care? Where is the, it's supposed to be on the word. So Lord, I'm going to do what your word says. Therefore, the pressure just went over back on him. I am carefree. Come on, y'all say, I'm carefree. Don't take that financial care on you. You weren't designed for it. I got to just try to figure out more hours. That's the world system trying to teach you how it's supposed to be. Now, don't say, well, I just don't work. Things just going to work out. Now, don't, you can't be a bum and expect to eat. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So there's a part to play in that. So you can't just go, well, I'm going to just, you know, hang out and just, you know, I'm going to play Xbox forever and just going to enjoy my salvation. It doesn't really work that way. But at the same time, as you're putting your hand to what God's called you to do, don't take that financial pressure. I refuse to take it. The money will come. Why? Because I'm a sower. I'm also a reaper. God's word says it. That's what the mirror tells me is that my God will supply all my needs. I believe that. I absolutely believe that. Amen. Awesome. Pastor Julian, can we just give the Lord one more big thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Lord.